Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration that marks the victory of light over darkness and good over evil. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a drive through two and a half miles of sparkling lights at the Bull Run Festival of Lights in Centerville, Virginia. The Bull Run Festival of Lights is open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at bullrunfestivaloflights.com. That's bullrunfestivaloflights.com. Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Supernatural begins to happen. Stuff you were struggling with, you won't struggle with. Stuff that was hard won't be hard no more. You're tapping into a grace that's getting ready to make some stuff easy. Touch your neighbor and say, you're tapping into a grace. Why? Because the prince of Persia's got to get out of the way when you fast for 21 days, which means everything that's been blocking, everything that's been stopping, everything that's been in the way, it's got to go. Touch your neighbor and say, we're in a supernatural time. Uh, now watch this. In the message, you need to cut it, parts one and two. The revelation coupled with the simplicity of the application made this such a, po- a popular message and a personal favorite of mine because how apropos it is in this season of our lives. Watch this. To have the best, you have to cut the rest. I'm going to say it again. To have the best, you have to cut the rest. Watch this. Where you're at right now is God is saying, now what do you want? Do you want the best or do you want the rest? And I think I'm preaching to some people tonight that have made a decision in their mind that every area of my life, I refuse to settle. I refuse to just go with the okie-doke. I refuse to tolerate the status quo, but I want the best. How five somebody say, I want the best. Now, a reset is defined to move back something to its original place or position, to put something back in the correct position for healing and to set again or differently. Now, I love this because it's putting something in the correct position for healing, which means, watch this, there is some healing that's on the other side of some stuff being cut. The reason there's certain things you've not healed from, even emotionally in your life, is because you're still attached to things that are keeping the wounds open and they never get the ability to heal. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? It means to move back to your original place. That's the reason we sing that song, Back to Eden, because everything that happened since Adam came, uh, the first Adam came, it took us from our original place, our place of authority. Which means God, God, watch this, God, uh, God, when he made Adam, he made a son. He made something, the Hebrew word is teshalam. He made something in his image and in his likeness, which means God made a duplicate. So when they looked at Adam, they saw God's duplicate. They saw a son, but Adam gave that up. But when the last Adam came, whose name is Jesus, he restored us back to our original position. So all you and I are walking out is getting back to Eden. And in case you don't know, Eden in Hebrew means the land of voluptuous living, which means while I'm here, I'm not supposed to just be struggling. While I'm here, I'm not just supposed to be mad and sad and gloomy all the time. While I'm here, I'm supposed to be living the voluptuous life. There's a term for that. It's called being on 10. It means the best of the best people, places, things, and ideas. Touch your neighbor say, stop settling for average. Back to my original position, the position where I decreed a thing and watched it be established, the position where I'm the head and not the tail, the position where I'm above and not beneath. That's my original position. Touch your neighbor and say, that's where you belong. Watch this. But to reset, sometimes there's some stuff we need to cut. And the Bible calls this, what's that biblical term? Pruning. And to prune is to cut away dead or overgrown branches or stems to increase fruitfulness and growth. Now watch this. Say cut away dead. Now, now watch this. This is significant because what often happens is that a plant in the natural, uh, it will have certain parts of the plant, watch this, that stopped receiving light so they die. 
What were you saying? They stopped growing, and so now they're separating from the plant because, watch this, they're doing their own thing, not getting the same thing that the plant's getting. Let me see if I can say it another way. So it stops receiving light, and if it stops receiving light, it stops growing. If it stops growing, it begins to uh, have atrophy, which is where now it begins to turn brown and to die off. The crazy thing about it is that the plant, watch this, the plant has too much mercy. What do you mean, Bishop? How can a plant have mercy? Because a plant will still send nutrients and water to a part of the plant that's already not producing anything substantive. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? You still spending time on the phone with people that ain't producing nothing. You still sitting up giving folk free counseling and all this and they ain't producing nothing. They're in the same place in life they were 10 years ago. You need to keep them people out of your life because you're wasting your nutrients, wasting your time, wasting your energy. Watch this. Say it's dead already. Which means there's nothing I can do to revive it because it's already dead. Which is why Christians need to stop talking about revival. Do you know the word revives not even in the Bible? It only appears in the John Waymouth translation of the Bible. You don't even know who that is. The Bible says refreshing. Refreshing is different than reviving. Refreshing means that I got refreshed. I just became fresh. I didn't die. I just needed to be fresh. To revive means it was living, then it died, and I'm trying to bring something that's dead back to life. The problem is it's illegal to dig up dead bodies without a permit. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Now say pruning. To cut away dead or overgrown branches or stems to increase fruitfulness and growth. Check it out. I've got to cut it to increase. Which means, watch this. What's the difference between where you are and where you want to be? What you're willing to cut. What's the difference between broke and abundance? What you're willing to cut. What's the difference between sick and healthy? What you're willing to cut. The difference between where you are and where you want to be is what you're willing to cut. And I think there's some people in this place tonight that say, listen, I'm sick of being low. I'm sick of not being on 10. Whatever I got to cut, I'm going to cut it. Cut it, touch your neighbor and say, cut it already. Now, watch this. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one, 31, it says, uh, judge yourselves, uh, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now, check this out. Judge means to cut. And that verse shows us there's two ways to initiate pruning, to self-cut, that's by choice, and sovereignly cut, that's by force. Now, when God does it by force, that means you don't have a say-so. Normally, that happens suddenly, and it happens abruptly. And it normally happens, and it sometimes leaves pain. And the only reason he had to get involved is because sometimes when you're an executive and you realize that management below you can't get it done, you pull what's called executive rank. Executive rank means I'll just do it myself since you won't do it. Which means now you don't even get to give your opinion concerning the matter. This is what we're going to do. Now, 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 why is that significant? Because Paul said if we do it to ourselves, we wouldn't have to have God pull an executive move. By choice or force? Touch your neighbor and say, which do you want? All right, watch this. Let me give you an example. There are some friends that you used to run with in your life, and you knew they were no good. All right? And so you would keep negotiating, keeping them around. Matter of fact, you knew they were no good because you wouldn't even leave your wallet out around them. All right, y'all going to look at me like that? If you went to the other room, you took your keys with you into the other room. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. You already knew, but watch this. Sometimes we'll begin to negotiate, and when we begin to negotiate, God says, now listen, I'm going to give you a little bit more time to do that. But eventually, if you don't, I just want you to know, I'll pull rank on you and cut you. Not because I'm mad at you, but because I'm mad at how fast you're progressing. You're moving too slow. But so what are you trying to say? The word means to cut away dead or overgrown branches to increase fruitfulness or growth which means the result of cutting lesser nouns is the entry of greater nouns. What's a lesser, what's a noun? Person, place, thing, or idea. If I cut a lesser noun, person, place, thing, or idea, then I will watch this. I will then allow the entry of a greater noun. But the rest does not dwell with the best. It's quiet, church. When you self-cut, you won't have to be sovereignly cut, but to reset, something's got to be cut. Why? Because pruning produces progress. Say pruning. Pruning. Produces progress. 
All right, how many people you prayed a prayer ever in your life like, Lord, I want to grow or I want to be better or I don't want to, something along those lines. Okay, good. So then here's God's answer to you. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Touch your neighbor and say, cut it. Anybody ever pray, Lord, I just, I just want to be, watch this, Lord, I just want to be a millionaire. Anybody ever pray that? It's okay. You can tell the truth. Good. So here's what God says. Cut that eating out. Cut that this. Oh, I got, see, it got quiet right there. Okay. Watch this. God's answer to prayers to do better is some scissors. I need you to hear me. Every time you ask him for greater, he says, let's get to cutting first. His mathematics is different than ours. See, you add to add. He subtracts to add. You multiply to multiply. He divides to multiply. Which means if you got some stuff that's just been cut off of you involuntarily, you ought not be sad because that was not lost. You ought to be shouting tonight because that's gain. It is God's way of telling you, I'm about to upgrade you. you. Pruning can seem overwhelming, and it's not. The only reason pruning seems overwhelming is because you're disorganized for the next level of life. I'm going to say it again. The only reason pruning seems uh, so overwhelming is because you're disorganized for the next level of life. See, the way you've been doing life was good enough to get you to where you are, but where you are isn't where you want to be, and you want to be greater, but to be greater, you're going to have to learn how to cut the lesser. Listen, what did you just say? The way you've been living was good enough up until now, but for the life God has ordained for you, which is to be on 10, you're disorganized for that level of life. It's quiet, church. You're used to struggling. You've organized your life to struggle. Let me announce something to you. Those days are over in your life. Who am I preaching to? Those days are over in your life. And God says, I need you to organize your life for a whole nother level of life. You only seem overwhelmed when you're disorganized. And your life was organized to get you to where you are. But now you're stretching, you're growing, you're on 10, you're shalom. So now you've got to reorganize life in order to operate at another level of life. Are you still here? Watch this. Uh, If you've ever watched... NASA, when the rockets are taken off, when they're taken off, uh, you'll notice that when they take off, they got these big rocket boosters. And you'll notice that once they hit, I don't know what it is, but once they hit one of the levels of the atmosphere, you'll notice that the same thing it needed down there doesn't need up here because it's weighing it down, so it has to cut it. Because to operate at this level, I can't have that weight. Can I tell somebody? Uh, Listen, you were crying about it. God says, what you crying for? To operate at this level, you got to cut that off. God says, you got too many free riders. I'm going to preach to someone. You got too many free riders that ain't putting in, ain't contributing nothing, ain't making nothing happen. God says, I'm not letting them rule with you. I'm not letting them reign with you. Watch this. You hear? Now, it can seem overwhelming, but it's not. Say it's not. Say I was built for this. Anybody got some pruning going on right now? Listen, stop talking about I'm just so overwhelmed. Shut up, please. You are not overwhelmed. You're disorganized. And God's cutting away some stuff so that you can organize your life for the level of life you're operating at now. I just got so much going on. Man, please. It's quiet in here. Now, pruning might seem uh, like loss. It isn't. It's gain. Why? God subtracts le- lesser nouns, uh, subtracts lesser nouns to add on 10 nouns. Now, check this out. Uh, 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 it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not overwhelming. You're just disorganized. You're just uncomfortable. But when you're uncomfortable, that's where growth happens. So that's where the greatest growth happens. When I say say, you say. Say that's where the greatest growth happens. You're never going to grow until you're challenged, and when you're challenged, you become uncomfortable. See, everybody that likes comfort, you're not going to like Christianity. I just want to be comfortable. Comfortable. Marcus, darling, comfortable. Listen, this is not boomerang. This is not about being comfortable. (laughs) Christianity is, 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 is not for settlers. It's for pioneers. Which means the moment you're like, oh, I finally arrived, God is like, no. Oh, no, we got some more growing to do. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new, which means I'm being perpetually made new over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the moment you're like, man, I feel like I finally got to this level of life. God's like, great, let's start working on the next. Touch your neighbor and say, you'll never arrive. You're always growing. And here it is. I think there's some people that can say, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm so glad that I'm not where I used to be. I'm still working on some stuff. I still got some stuff I'm navigating through, but I'm so glad I can look on my own life. You may not be able to see it, but I can look at my own life and see I've been growing. I've been making progress. Watch this. When you fail to prune natural plants, they invest energy and nutrients into the parts of the plant that have already died. Check it out. They've already died. Check it out. They've already died. Check it out. They've So the question becomes, why would you? St- now watch this. I used to call my, I used to thought I was a green thumb. Now maybe I had like green pinky or something. I don't know. And so I used to have all these plants in my eye, all kind of plants, plants that are not appropriate for Denver. I had palm trees and all. I was trying to make myself a tropical oasis. And I had all these plants, and, and, and so I would do my pruning. And, and, but sometimes I, I would see parts of the plant that would begin to turn brown. Watch this. They're dead. But here I go. No, you're going to live. Hey, in the name of Jesus. Hey, 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 glory. I can be. That's what some of y'all do with friendships. That's what some of y'all do with relationships. That's what, you're going to live. And God is like, it's already dead. What you trying to give it? And I'd sit there and I'd just spray and spray and spray. And then I'd get mad when I came back and it was worse. Let me talk to this side because y'all, I, I get mad because I come back and I'm like, all of that water I gave you last week and this is how you repay me? If the plant could talk, the plant was like, you knew I was dead before you gave me water. You knew I was dead before you gave me nutrients. You the fool for trying to feed something that's already dead. Are you still here? Now, I said, so I'd be, I'd be, I'd just be spraying. I'd just be spraying. And then I get mad. Now, John 15, 2 says, Jesus said that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes. So what is pruning? A compliment. It's a compliment. When you do it to you, it's a compliment to yourself. When God does it to you, it's God complimenting you. There's this song, this, song, uh, this singer, Anita Baker. Y'all know her? Now, for all of you who, okay, don't judge me. Don't start number me either, okay? Don't send me no emails. I'll send one back. Now, now watch this. <laughs> now, watch this. now, Bishop Foreman, what do you mean by that? Because, listen, just... Uh, you know, it, it was a good, clean, good, clean song. She had this song called I Apologize. That's it. <laughs> now, she had this song called I Apologize. Say I Apologize. So, I, 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 especially as we started to fast, I played that song. But watch this. I played it to myself. I apologize to me for some of the stuff I have tolerated when I should have. Y'all not saying nothing. I'm here to tell somebody, you need to go apologize to yourself tonight and say, I apologize to you for tolerating this, for tolerating that, for tolerating that. And sometimes it's not other people that did it. Sometimes you need to apologize to yourself for what you've been doing to yourself. So I took out my own scissors. I was like, come here. I chopped it up. Because I said, if I'll do it myself, he won't have to do it. Catch the principle. Now, now, now watch this. Watch it. Uh, if it's bearing fruit, he prunes it. Pruning is a compliment indicating there's been growth already. Say, I'm growing already. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm growing already. Now, what needs to be pruned, we've learned, as easy as ABC. Tonight, I'm going to give you the D. Your first, you already know that is asses. Deuteronomy 22.10. King James Version. I already told you I'm going to fit this scripture in as many times as I can through the end of this year calendar year. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Together means you shall not be yoked to one. See, I cannot be yoked to donkeys. Now, an ass or donkey, again, I'm a Bible preacher. I'm a preacher the Bible says. The Bible says ass. If you don't feel comfortable that, you say donkey. It's a metaphor for a stupid person, place, thing, or idea. Say stupid person, place, thing, or idea. Now, let's just define stupid. Uh, By definition, stupid means lacking intelligence or common sense. Unintelligent, ignorant, dense, 
foolish, simple-minded, vacuous, idiotic, imbecile, obtuse. I think you get the point. Now, idiotic is the one that makes, that makes that's the most interesting to me because idiotic, if you study the etymology of that word, get to the root of it, it means self-destructive. It means that this is its own worst enemy. Nobody else is necessary. It's quiet here. So an ass is a metaphor for someone that's self-destructive. And the Bible says you and I have no business around folks that are self-destructive. And here's what we'll say. That's just them. I'm going to just let them do what they're doing. And God says, you're illegal for even being around them. All right. I can see I ain't going to get help right through here. The Bible forbids us to plow with an ass. You know what that word plow means in Hebrew? To be together with, to plan with, to build with, to conspire to be silent about matters that should be discussed with a superior with, to quit that which you were committed to with, to be alone with and ignore leadership's direction with. Self-destructive people are always self-led people. These are, they don't need no pastor. They don't need, they ain't coming to church. They're self-destructive because they're self-led. And the Bible says that the blind lead the blind into a ditch. Now, what's significant is, is that the blind normally are the blind leading themselves and they fall by themselves into a ditch. Watch out for people that are self-led because they're self-destructive. These are people, I don't know why you're going to that church. I don't know why you're doing all that. I don't know why you're They're self-led. That's why they messed up, jacked up, tied up, tangled up. They're an ass. And the Bible says, you have no, watch this. But that's my friend since fifth grade. God says, not anymore. You're an ox and you need to cut it. That's my sister. Not no more. Y'all just related. Y'all ain't family. Cut it. There is a difference. Get the series we taught on family, family, uh, modern family. Now, now watch this. There are two types of asses, external and internal. And I know some of you are saying, Bishop, I know this. I know, but I'm going to drop some new stuff on you. I'm going to drop a bomb on you. So you're going to drop a bomb. It's a nuke, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay, sp- okay yeah, uh, spiritual, like it's going to have a great, okay, say it's great impact, great impact. Great, okay, all right, watch this. Now, uh, external and internal. Now, external asses are typically nouns in your life that are what? Consistently inconsistent. Now, sometimes to attempt to save time or energy, they yoke an ox and an ass, which will create unnecessary disruption and delay because an ass can only perform well short term because they buck too much. Say they buck too much. They create issues. They don't do what you're supposed to do. All this. There's always drama. Always Simple stuff is hard with an ass. It takes an hour to figure out where you're going to go eat with an ass. Now, for the next 21 days, you got limited options. How y'all fighting over the three places you got to go? <laughs> y'all not saying that. <laughs> you just, it ain't like you got multiple options. You say, no, 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 watch this. Uh, they'll look like they're progressing, but that's because the ox is making up for their lack. Now, remember, if you're just joining us, you never heard this, is that the yoke was the wooden piece that joined uh, two animals together. And an ox was supposed to be uh, yoked or connected to an ox, got it? Sometimes they would yoke an ox to an ass. And what happens is the ass could sometimes look like they were doing well only because the ox was making up for their lack. But it eventually tired the ox. Watch this. Touch your neighbor and say, that's why you've been tired. How do you get 12 hours of sleep and still tired? First problem is you got more than your prescribed amount. That's your first problem. But the second issue is you need to go find out where's the ass connected to me. Because there's one over here that's tiring me somewhere. And check it out. It might not be somebody else. It might be in you. But I declare in the name of Jesus, you got the grace to cut it. No, 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 no. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, someone present doesn't mean they're purposeful. Now, let's go further. Do a life assessment and start asking the people in your life, why are you here? You ever ask the people in your life that? Why are you here? If you're from the South, let me give you another way to say it in the Southern vernacular. What you here for? Why are you in my life? It's quiet. Why are you here? What do you bring? And then here's the question you need to ask. What do I bring? 
Why am I in your life? When you ask those questions, sometimes stuff that you've been sitting here praying and fasting about, God is like, that was pretty simple. You just never asked the question. There's a story years ago about a deacon who was in a church. He was in a church for years, and he was a deacon. He was in church. The story goes for 40 years. And uh, one day, the, uh, the pastor of the church, he, he does an altar call. He does an altar call, and he says, anybody want to become a Christian? A deacon who had been in the church for years, he throws his hand up, and he becomes a Christian. And so the pastor was a bit, uh, you know, befuddled. He was shocked because he said, you've been a deacon for, you know, 30, 40 years. How are you not saved, and you one of the deacons? I mean, I, like servant, what the word deacon means from the Greek diaconate, which means to serve. He says, how in the world are you the deacon, and, you, and, you're, not, and you're not even a Christian? He said, well, nobody ever asked me. Because what's the point? There are some things that you're making hard, and the truth is if you just simply ask the right questions, it wouldn't be that difficult. Thank you for the four claps of the people that got that. Now, now th- that's external asses. Internal asses can be your attitude. Your attitude is your settled way of thinking or feeling about something or someone that's reflected in behavior, and it's often determined by past experiences. And that took us to the B uh, that we needed to cut, which was bitterness. Somebody say bitterness. Now, bitterness is to be angry, hurt, or resentful because of a bad past experience. Now, past, there's an acronym for it. It's painful, agitating, and aggravating situations that have transpired. It's painful, aggravating, and agitating situations that have transpired. Now, anybody ever had some of those happen? We all have. Now, sometimes you can have anger, hurt, and be resentful because of those experiences. But here's what's unique about bitterness is that bitterness, I've taught you this already, it's not just based on the experience. It's based on, watch this, your perception of an experience, which means sometimes you will be angry, hurt, or resentful over something that didn't actually happen. It only happened in your head. You can be angry about, about something somebody did, and the reality is the only place they did that was in your mind because you never took the time to get understanding because you like to assume, shoot first, ask questions later, not realizing assumption is the lowest form of intelligence just above stupid. Now, let's be honest. How many of us have ever assumed something? Let's be Now, watch this. Put up Deuteronomy 22.10. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to say something. Put up Deuteronomy 22.10. Oh, watch this. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an assumer. You know an assumer. An assumer, they have already concluded based off of inaccurate or incomplete information. If you don't know an assumer, you're the assumer that the rest of us know. An assumer, they shoot first, they ask questions later. I mean, you know, they, they've come up with a whole conspiracy theory about what happened. And I saw this black car driving past the house the other day, and then I was just in, and I just don't even know, and now somebody in the office with a black suit, I don't know what's going on. I just, I don't even know what's going on. But Bishop did say 21 days, you know, they're like, what? Where are you coming up with this stuff? Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an assumer. Now, 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 now. Uh, bitterness is a trip because you can perceive that something was done wrong to you, but it was not. You can perceive someone treated you poorly and you were not. In fact, most of us misperceive. This is what do you mean misperceive? Most people miscategorize people that are for them and people that are against them. And so because of that miscategorization, what we often have is a lot of assumption associated with that. So somebody that challenges you, you'll say they're against you, not realizing that proof of the, that the challenge was actually proof of love. You'll think because you were corrected that you're being rejected, not realizing that to not be corrected actually is a worse type of rejection because it's silent rejection. Touch your neighbor and say, stop assuming. Okay, all right, now this, this is important because when you assume, you'll often make conclusions based off of inaccurate and, uh, 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 information. Now, here's what's significant about this. Say, I'm cutting bitterness. Say, I'm cutting donkeys. Asses. Watch this. Now, I'm going to help somebody because anybody just been real front. Now, don't count the first four days because your body's been detoxing from all that poison you've been eating, all that white sugar and white flour and caffeine. How many, how many uh, coffee addicts in the place? It's okay. Just, if, you'll admit, if you'll admit you have a problem, God can heal you. <laughs> Amen. Lift your hand. No, I'm just kidding. 
Now, now watch this. Now, now I, that's not my thing. That's not my thing. But, 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 but now, now when I have coffee, I just want to sip. So I'll have them make me a whole pot. And then I say, now give me a cup. And then I, I put it on a whole bunch of whipped cream. You understand? Not cool whip. No, whipped cream. And I put it on top. And I have about three, four sips. And I'm good. Now, here, here's the deal. So you can't count the last four days. Okay? Because your body's been detoxing. Now, but prior to the last four days, Anybody just had intense moments of like super frustration over, over the last few months of your life? Okay. All right, all right. I'm, I'm, finna, I'm, finna, I'm finna explain why. T touch your name and say, Bitch, about to tell you why. When you're an ox and you're yoked to an ass, whether that ass is external or internal, check it out, the situation becomes toxic. So the ox begins to kick the ass because of its frustration. And when you wait too long to cut an ass, you become bitter. And when you're bitter, you're ineffective at life and everything and everyone around you becomes defiled. It's quiet here. But so what are you telling me? I'm telling you the reason you've been dealing with bitterness over these last few months is because you took too long to cut an ass. And you're bitter because it's toxic. Hebrews 12, 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Watch the last part of the verse. And thereby many be defiled. Wait a minute. If you don't make the appropriate cuts, external or internal, the book says a root of bitterness will spring up in you. What does spring means? It's going to flow up out of you, which is why you can be great on Sunday and then by parking lot, you ain't even got to leave the property. By parking lot, you turn to up. Y'all ain't going to say nothing? You can get in your car. Get behind the steering wheel. And just, it springs up. Now watch this, check this out. A spring, watch what it implies. A spring implies fresh water. Now, if we were to say a spring and use it as a noun, it would mean fresh water. Here it's a verb, but it would imply fresh water, which means, watch this, something begins to pop up. It begins to spring up. It begins to go out, and it begins to flow. It flows around. It flows onto everything around it. So watch the verse, Hebrews 12, 15. And by this, many become defiled. What's this? Your root of bitterness. Why did your root of bitterness remain? Because you took too long to cut an internal ass or an external ass. So it's toxic. And when it's toxic, watch this. Now a root of bitterness springs up on the inside of you. And now you're defiling everybody. So now other people are paying for stuff other people did. It's quiet in here. Watch this. Other people are paying for stuff you did. You get an attitude with your wife over something you did. You get an attitude with your husband over something you did. You get mad at your kids. They wake up, good morning, mama, good morning. And they're trying to figure out what is wrong with you. This is the day of the Lord. And then they'll start preaching to you. The Lord is made. You need to learn how to rejoice and be made glad in it. You need to cut it, mama. You need to cut it, daddy. <laughs> Are you here, church? Now, let, let me tell you what happens. And, and, and watch this. And here's why sometimes we take too long to cut it. And I got to move real fast because I'm out of time, but I got to move real fast. Can, can I finish it? Here's why we take too long. It goes back to that analogy with the plant, right? Is that I'm still spraying water on it. Hoping, wishing and praying that somehow, some way, hey, 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 glory, sweet Jesus, that what's already proven to be ineffective will somehow change overnight and become effective. The real issue isn't it, it's me. Watch this. So it's not the ass anymore. Touch your neighbor and say, you might as well get free tonight. You can't blame it anymore. You can't blame them anymore. Now it's you. But I believe there's somebody in here tonight that says whatever ass has been operating in me in the name of Jesus, I'm going to cut it.
Acts 23, Acts 8.23 says bitterness is poison that you drink hoping it hurts something or someone else. And the problem is you can't control what poison does once it's ingested. Say it's poison. Now, now, now say this. Say, I don't have to drink everything said in front of me. I, I used to be, I used to be, I used to be, I used to love drinking Coca-Cola. And where I'm from, we didn't say Coca-Cola. It was Coca-Cola. And we didn't mess with Pepsi. We didn't fool with Pepsi. It was Coca-Cola. Just, just try to act like you're from the South. Touch your name, say Coca-Cola. Now, listen, now, it, it, and so I, 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 let me tell you, I mean, in the morning, in the noonday, in the nighttime, every time was the right time. You understand? You understand? And then, and then once I tried to move off of the real sugar, then I moved to diet. And I was like, I don't really, I ain't feeling you. I ain't really into you. And then they came out with Coke Zero. I was like, there you go. So I used to love drinking Coke products, and then I did some research and got it healthy and all that and discovered that I can't drink stuff that goes into my brain and does crazy stuff to it. So I, watch this, overnight, cut it. Once I learned, I was just like, I'm not going to sit here and wean my way off of what's trying to, you know. Now you go study it for yourself. I said, I'm not going to sit here and negotiate with it. I just watched the thing and saw the facts for myself that once it gets to my brain, it turns into stuff that's messing my head up. I ain't going to keep on drinking it. In the name of Jesus, I just declare that what I just read ain't going to happen to me. I used to eat all kind of fast food. I'm telling you, I was a fast food connoisseur. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I knew the meal number. I knew the appropriate way to order it. I knew my special things. I was like, give me that number six, cut it in half, extra mayo, add American cheese and onion, and I'm going to need them fries fresh. <laughs> what a diet coke. <laughs> now watch. That's what I did now. But when I learned I, that... You know, some of the stuff that's served in different restaurants isn't actually food. And I learned, I was like, okay, well, I can't keep sitting here going, talking about, well, you know, just in the name of, I prayed over it. For me, this is my personal choice. I decided I needed to cut it. Got it? I didn't keep going eating the number one with extra special sauce. Some of y'all already know what restaurant we at. Supersize. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I didn't keep doing that, hoping that it wouldn't affect me. Come on, church. So just me personally, what I did is I cut it. Check out the principle. Why do we sometimes keep getting in bitterness? And why do we sometimes keep uh, walking in this scenario? Is because we keep going back to the same scenarios and situations that are already dead, the same mentalities that are already dead, and we go back talking about, are you right now? It's quiet in the head anyway. You go back to the restaurant and say, are you real food now? You go back to the Coca-Cola talking about, do you have half the sugar in now? It's quiet in here. So it's no longer its fault. I know what it is. It now becomes my fault. Watch. Say, I don't have to drink. Everything said in front of me. So, so you know, uh, so you know, you know, uh, when I, I have water. This is me personally. This is me personally. I have water. So I have water. And so, you know, I'm from the South, so we have a special blend of tea called sweet tea. And, it's, and what sweet tea is is where it's the tea sweet. Okay? And it's sweet, it's sweet before it gets to the table. See? See, they sweeten it in the back. See, they boil them tea bags and all that there, and then, they, you know, they get that good lemon in there, and then they, watch this, they put the sugar in there when it's hot. See? Then they mix it up together, and then they do like this here, you know, and then that, that's sweet tea, you understand? Amen. We saying amen about sweet tea. <laughs> Here's the point. But when, I, when, I, when I'm dining, what have you, I have water. Why? I don't have to drink. Oh, sir, well, we got this special. I'm not drinking that. I don't drink that. 
You're missing it with bitterness. I don't have to drink everything said in front of me. So what's the principle? What's the principle? Touch your neighbor and say, don't drink everything said in front of you. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you or cut it with all malice. That's the desire to see uh, hurt. If those, if you are those things, if you're still bitter, if you still got wrath, which is hot anger, if you still got anger, if you're still evil speaking, that means contrary speaking, if you still want to see people hurt, you've chosen to drink that. That's your choice. Got it? But touch your neighbor and say, I'm making another choice tonight. No, no, no. Now, 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 if you're those things, it's because you want to be those things. Because you live too passively. What's passively? Well, they put it on the table. I figured I had to drink it. I don't have to drink everything put in front of me. Well, you know, so-and-so says something bad about you. Ah! I don't have to drink everything put in front of me. You not hear what I'm saying. People come to you with drama. People come to you with junk. People come to you with issues. I don't have to drink everything put in front of me. And I'm not passive about my life. And if I start drinking from that foolishness you're serving, I might mess myself up. It might be poison. And ain't nobody got time for that. The C, I got to get to the D. The C was crazy confessions that we needed to cut. Proverbs 6.2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Now, uh, those words there in Hebrew means you're boxed in. Say, I'm boxed in or boxed out by what I say. Watch this. Stop saying, I'm just calling it like I see it. It's not what you see, it's what you call it. The scripture says that he calls things that be not as though they were. Check it out, which means I see it, you see it, we see it, but is that what we keep wanting to see? Because if it's not, let's call it something else. Say life and death or in the power of my tongue. Now, now watch this. You may say, but Bishop, I, I've been speaking life, I've been speaking faith, I've been speaking life, I've been speaking life. Watch this. But think about all the junk you spoke before that. And think about the few times you get discouraged when you stop speaking life and you speak some more junk. You've sent out confusing decrees into the atmosphere and the angels are confused as to which one you really want them to bring about. The scripture says that the angels hearken unto the voice of the word of the Lord, which means they're not listening for his voice, they're listening for his words. But when you and I speak, they think that it's him speaking. Which is why the book says that we're snared, we're boxed in or boxed out verse by the words of our mouth, which means, watch this, where you are and what you want to be Watch this. Where you are now and the reset you want to see is locked up in your mouth. It says locked up in my mouth. Bishop, how do you know that? The scripture says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession, which means, watch this, he takes lordship over whatever we confess and whatever we say, even if it's negative. I have a question. If we were to put cameras in your house, and actually, there's a few members. We've already done that tonight, and we've got the footage tonight. If, <laughs> if we were to put cameras in your house, cameras in your car, cameras in your cubicle or office or what have you, what would your real confessions be? Not the stuff you come up in here and say when I say, say this after me. What would your real confession be after you just made a huge mistake, you're in your office, ain't nobody else in there, and you just burn it out of your mouth, and then you wonder why you're jacked up, messed up, tied up, because God says, I became the priest of your confession. You spoke that, now you got to see that. I mean, your real confession. The confession you rehearse when you're driving down the street trying to vent your anger. I'm not the only one. Don't, don't see some of y'all looking at me real judgmental face right there. You know how you drive down the street and you having a full-fledged argument with you rehearsing something you're going to say to somebody. Y'all really are going to do it. Thank you. Thank you. You driving down the street like, hey, look, and see, and I'm not concerned. I mean, and, you know, having a full-fledged conversation. God says, I'm listening. The angels are listening. And you called it venting. God says that's why your life sucks. Because you vent too much when you should pray. Y'all not saying nothing. But tonight, I declare there's going to be a grace coming in your mouth. To where when you're about to 
say something negative, the Holy Ghost click, click, shuts that down. Lay your hands on your mouth. Say grace, grace, grace. To before you even open your mouth and say something negative, shut your mouth. Touch your name and say, shut your mouth. Somebody was, somebody was telling me something the other day about a particular doctor's word. And they said, well, this is, and I said, shut up. And I said, stop right now. I said, your confession sucks. I said, you need to take all of that. You need to just be, I said, because what you just did was give that legal right to exist in your life. And you are snared by the words of your own mouth, the book says. Not the, watch this, not the doctor's report. Your mouth. Not the credit report. Your mouth. The God you serve is so powerful, he don't even need credit to get you what he'll get you. He's got something greater than money. It's called favor. And favor, you're not hearing me. Money can buy you a lawyer, but favor can buy you justice. Money can buy you a doctor, but favor can get you health. Now, 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 say my confessions. You got to cut crazy confessions. Here's the D. You ready? Distractions. Distractions. Delayed cuts become distractions. Say distractions. Uh, in the book of Galatians, uh, we're not going to go there because I got to wrap this up. There was a group of people called the Judaizers, and they had crept into the lives of the people of the church at Galatia. And they started making suggestions and sharing their opinions with the people that were contrary to the set man of God, the Apostle Paul. They were witches because they were manipulators that attempted to turn people against their set leadership. And they ended up hindering and distracting the people so the people never became what they should have become. And my question to you tonight is what has had you distracted? Even better, do you even know you're distracted? It's quiet, church. It's quiet, church. Now, by definition, a distraction is something that prevents someone from giving, watch this, full attention to something. It is extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. Watch this last definition. It is a diversion or recreation. Touch your name and say, here goes the bomb. Oftentimes, you don't know you're distracted into the distraction has caused damage. You know how texting and driving is such a crazy thing? And I, I knew this guy who would text and drive. But he was very, very busy, and he had a lot going on, and he was always on the phone, and he was handling God's business. He was handling kingdom business, and, and you know, but, but, you know, he meant, he, he meant very well. He did. Touch never say he did. And, um, and so he had got, watch this, he had gotten so good with being distracted that he didn't think that he could be distracted while driving by texting. I knew him, great heart, great heart, this guy. Here's the part. Now, didn't nothing crazy happen, but one day when, when, when he was driving his automobile and he was distracted by texting and, and driving, one day, he got way too close to comfort for another automobile. And from that day forward, after having to swerve very expeditiously, he decided texting and driving wasn't for him. This guy. Because, watch this, he saw the risk of damage it held. And concluded the risk wasn't worth the text. Concluded the risk wasn't worth the distraction. Now, ch check the principle. Check the principle. But it took something that almost could have went a whole nother direction to say, hey, you're distracted and don't even know it because you've gotten so good at being distracted, you think you're exempt from distractions. It's quiet in here. Well, I says, it prevents you from giving your full attention. Well, I says, well, I says, it's extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. It's a diversion or recreation. Now, the question would be, well, Bishop, why, why are distractions, why is that something we need to cut? Touch the neighbor and say, why? why? A distraction means it's taking your eye off of what it should be on and putting your eyes on something else. 
And it's easy to get distracted, watch this, especially when you're in a reset because everything around you, including you, is becoming new. So watch this. If something kind of slithers over here, you're like, oh, hey, maybe that's part of the reset. Be a good church. If something kind of steps off into the scene over here, like, oh, maybe that's part of the reset. It's easy to get distracted and take your eyes off of, in the case of texting and driving, your eyes are supposed to be on the road. Got it? Now, but if your eyes are on your phone, your eyes can't be on your road. Now, check this out. Your phone, the screen on your phone is so much smaller than your windshield. Which means just because what you should be focused on is right in front of you doesn't mean you're paying any attention to it. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Well, watch this, watch this church. I was telling somebody, I was telling somebody today and I told him I was going to use this, so I'm going to use it. Is that, say I'm Shalom. Say nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. I was telling somebody today, I said, I said, they were saying, well, what, what, they, they asked the question. The question was, you know, is what, uh, what should they do, you know, in times where they, they experience loneliness? And I, and I was answering the questions. I was answering that question. I gave up this statement. I told him I was going to use it. And so I'm using it and I'm keeping my word. Now watch this. Here it is. You ever been at a dinner table, restaurant, lunch table, brunch table, wherever, and you asked for something that was already at the table, but you didn't see it was there? If you are shalom and nothing is missing and nothing is broken and nothing is lacking in all as well, nothing is missing. You missed it. Be a good church. Nothing is missing. You missed You asking for grape jelly and it's sitting right there in the little container. But you're distracted. Just because it's in front of you doesn't mean you're paying attention to it. But I declare somebody tonight, all to say this, I will no longer be distracted. I need you to say it like you mean it. Let all hell know I will no longer be distracted. No, I got too much ahead of me. I don't have time for no distractions. And if you ain't riding the same direction I'm riding, you got to go. Shout, I will no longer be distracted. Watch this. You still here? No, I'm done. No, 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 no. Why is this so important? It, it says it's a diversion. Recreation. Extreme agitation of the mind and emotions. I like this. I like this. It, it, it means I'm not giving my full attention to what I should be giving my full attention to. My full attention is on something smaller than it. Smaller than what I should be focused on. But I'm so distracted, I don't even know I'm distracted. I'm so wrapped up in my distraction, I don't even think it's a distraction. I don't even know I've been distracted. Until you look up and there's a car in front of you, you got to swerve. And then you got to pray in tongues and say, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, had you just not been distracted, we wouldn't have had to go through all this. Shut your neighbor say every distraction ends in your life now. Now that is not how you decree that over somebody. Say every distraction ends in your life now. I'm getting my focus back on tech. For this reason was I sent to rule and to reign and to conquer and subdue. Watch this. I got to wrap this up. I got to finish. But, but can I just play with the word recreate, though? Recreation, to recreate. What are you trying to recreate? Recreate a feeling. Recreate a sensation. Recreate a picture. Recreate an ideology. Watch this. Recreate a fantasy. A, a distraction is me trying to recreate something. Bishop Foreman, you're preaching and these people ain't saying nothing. Say, say recreation. Now, now, if you just look at the etymology of the word, re, again, create. I'm trying to create something again. Why? Why? Touch your neighbor say, why? What are you trying to recreate? Recreate means, watch this. 
I'm not renewing. I'm not refreshing. Let's go back class to where we were a minute ago. I'm trying to revive something that's dead and make it again. Let me, let me help some of you folks that's got relationship problems. Is you trying to, okay. You trying to recreate a feeling, not realizing feelings change, which is why love is never a feeling, it is a decision. It's a decision that produces feelings and emotions, but it is not a feeling. You're trying to recreate a sense of acceptance. You're trying to recreate, not realizing, watch this, you are new. So because you're becoming new, anything I recreate, watch this, it's from a level lower than I am now. Okay, I got to quit, I got to quit, I got to quit. If I'm trying to recreate it, it's from a level beneath the new, the me that I am now. Okay, all right, I got to stop, I got to stop. Now, 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 say, I got to cut distractions. Here's why, here's why, here's why. Hebrews 11, now, we were here on Sunday. Y'all still with me, church? I'm wrapping this up. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I taught you on Sunday that that word hope means to anticipate or welcome. And to welcome something suggests it's not currently present. So if I reset, I see rewards, but a reset involves risk, which is the potential of losing something of value. But we often value the wrong thing, which is comfort. To welcome something often means to reset and get out of your comfort zone or your default way of thinking. Now watch this. He said, what in the world does this have to do with distractions? I'm going to tell you. It says, faith is the evidence of things not seen, meaning it comes from, you remember from Sunday, the scene of an incident. So faith is doing what, church? Grabbing something from heaven, bringing it to earth. Let's say it another way. It's grabbing something from the invisible and making it visible. But watch this. Distractions become a blockage. Okay, Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean distractions become a blockage? I'm going to give one scripture. Here, here, Here it is. You ready? Galatians 5, 6. Galatians 5, 6. Just, now, here's the bomb. Or part of the other part of the bomb. <laughs> oh, y'all knew that. Okay. This must be the 1115 group. Okay. Now, watch this. I'm just joking. Galatians 5, 6. Watch this. So, okay, before we read that verse, what does faith do? Sunday school starts this Sunday, and it is mandatory for every person. And it's going to be four hours long, and I'm going to get the meanest teacher to come teach it. She's going to be rude and mean and have a long old ruler. And if you get the scripture wrong, she's going to hit your hand. Okay. What does faith do, church? It takes something from heaven, brings it to earth. Takes something from the invisible, makes it visible. That's what faith does, work, right? Now, what becomes a blockage? Distractions. What did we talk about on Sunday that our faith needed to be reset, and we do that with a fast? Do you remember all that stuff? Okay. Now, here's what's significant about this so you understand why you have to cut distractions. Anybody got some stuff you believe in God for? Anybody got some stuff you want heaven to manifest in your life? All right? Touch your name and say, I do too. But watch this verse. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, that's Jew or non-Jew, avails anything. Let's read the last part, church. But faith working through love. Another version says it like this. Faith works by love. Now let's connect all the A, B, and the C, and the D together. Y'all ready to connect it together? If I don't cut the asses, if I don't cut the bitterness, if I don't cut the crazy confessions, what's really being impeded? My love. Catch it, church. If you're bitter, that means there's a problem with your love. Which, what does that mean can't work now? Put it up. Your faith can't work. No, 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 no. You got to get this. You got to get this. If you're walking around mad with a bad attitude, what's not working anymore? Your faith. You, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not catching this. You're not catching this. If you're mad at you, and are bitter with yourself. What, what's not working now? Your faith. 
which means when you pray, heaven's like we love to do something, but we can't work because it only works by love. And right now you ain't loving God right, you ain't loving people right, and you ain't loving life right, and so there's nothing we can do for you until you kept the asses, kept the bitterness, kept the crazy confessions, and kept the distractions. Watch this. Are you here? So, so, so watch this. It, 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 that word works there is in the Greek is energeo, which means it's like an electrical current, which means, watch this, if love is missing, got it? That means my faith is missing an electrical current. It's missing surge. It's missing power. So when I pray, and I pray, I don't have any anticipation or expectation anything great will happen. Why? Because the issue is my love is off. When I'm mad at God, my love is off. When I'm bitter at people, my love is off. And so the issue is, though, is I could have fixed all of that had I cut it. Had I cut the external ass, I wouldn't be bitter. Had I cut the internal ass, I wouldn't be bitter. And now that I'm bitter, what do I make? Crazy confessions. And when I make crazy confessions, what am I? Distracted. Come on, be a good church. Do your ABCs. So, 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 so check out the principle. If faith works by love, if faith's surge, its electrical current is love, the real ultimate goal of an ass, bitterness, and crazy confessions is to stop your faith from working. And the book says, the just, that's us, shall live by faith. Here it is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So check it out. You'll, you'll feel distant from God. You'll feel disconnected from God. You'll feel disconnected from the things of God. And you'll talk about the devil this, the devil that. And God says, no. He says, listen, you ain't been cutting right. So the reason you don't have any expectation of seeing anything great is because it's asses you need to cut, it's bitterness you need to cut, crazy confessions you need to cut, and distractions you need to cut, and all of that stuff has been messing up your love. You don't love me right, you don't love you right, you don't love people right, and so faith ain't even working for you. So everything that's in the invisible is sitting up waiting like, but tonight. Here it is. I'm done. But tonight. So, so here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take 60 seconds. How many? We're going to take 60 seconds. And, and I know we've done this before, but here's what I discovered about cutting is that it's a, it's a routine thing. You got to keep on doing it. Uh, fellas, you got to get your hair. We got to get our hair, you know, whatever. Y'all got to go get your hair cut. <laughs> I got delivered from that years ago. Now. <laughs> Now, you got to get a haircut, right? Ladies, you got to get your haircut, right? But y'all don't get haircuts in Denver? Like, what are y'all just, it's all the way down to your legs and stuff? This ain't frozen. (laughs) Are you here? Now, check it out. Didn't you cut it two weeks ago? Or, you know, for some people, you know, four days ago? The, the, by the evening, when I, after I say, by that evening, you know, it's in all, most of it has already come back. Now, here's the point. And I have to keep cutting it and keep cutting it and keep cutting it and keep cutting it and keep cutting it. It's the same principle with life. So somebody like, Bishop, I made several cuts last week. Great. Some other stuff grew up over here. Bishop, I made all kind of cuts last month. Great. Some other stuff while you was over here cutting, some other stuff was going on over here. You need to come over here and cut that. You are the chief executive officer of your life. And what you're getting ready to do in the next 60 seconds is spiritually release and cut everything that needs to be released and cut. And then once you leave church, y'all ready? 60 seconds. Everybody on your feet. Here we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for and we receive the grace tonight. To cut every ass, to cut all bitterness, to cut crazy confessions, and to cut distractions out of our life in the name of Jesus. We release those things now in the name of Jesus.
Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today, and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org walk.